Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Meg Johnson today. Uh, not too long of an intro, but Meg is doing a very interesting route into becoming an athletic trainer and already becoming an athletic trainer. And just her history of how she's still playing collegiate softball, plus being certified, and then also now pursuing her master's degree. It's a very unique story and we were glad to hear it uh, a lot of insight uh, a lot of foresight by meg in terms of trying to figure out how to have the greatest impact she can as she's gearing up to be ready for her career and based on everything she talked about it, it's going to be a great career so we hope you really enjoy that um, if you haven't yet please check out our throw a lifeline kind of give back program um, we're working to raise about $200 per kit um, that will pay for all the supplies on the inside and then Mueller is going to gift the actual emergency um, first in kit when we hit our $200 they will match that with the kit so we're a little over halfway there for our first one you can support by listening sharing so more people listen or if you are able to uh, we have a Venmo PayPal that you can uh, shoot over a donation uh, that's all housed on our parent podcast site clinicallypress.com backslash throw a lifeline again Mueller helping us out with this doing everything they can to help support the profession um, with athletic trainers so always check them out and we appreciate them powering this podcast without further ado enjoy this episode Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. Uh, we are on with Meg Johnson, who we got connected up through, um, along with uh, Mr. Jeremy Jackson of Sports Medicine Broadcast on Twitter, uh, because who can't you meet on Twitter, uh, which is a good thing. But uh, one of our former guests, uh, Crystal, highlighted this because you had a unique post about being a student athlete and also being credentialed and I believe getting granted a sixth year of eligibility, which having worked in collegiate athletics is no small feat. Um, a little more interesting this year uh, with COVID and the rules seemingly going out the window uh, for a lot of different things. But um, yeah, we're going to do this episode really focusing on kind of what brought Meg to this point. And then I believe shortly after we release this one, we'll coordinate it. Uh, with Jeremy to talk about how you want to implement all of your experience into the future. So we'll try not to take too much um, information from his podcast coming up. Uh, but without continuing to go on, I want to turn it over to you to just give a little bit more of your background, um, what in, you know inspired that tweet about the funny looks you get um, potentially or the different comments, uh, and we'll jump into it from there. All right. Well, so I'm very freshly graduated last year. I got my bachelor's in athletic training and I haven't even been certified for a year yet. Um, but I was a four year varsity softball player at my alma mater and I decided to go back for my master's and 
you know, I decided to take a little bit of a different route. Instead of going back for something like exercise science, I went back for clinical counseling and psychology. And nice. I've always loved psychology. So I'll probably talk about that a little bit in the Absolutely. podcast. But, you know, so I was like, you know, this really fits with what I want to do. But I had with COVID, we had eligibility and then I had a medical hardship semester. So it just worked out that I actually had um, three and a half years of eligibility left, but I was like, that seems a little bit excessive. I'll just, you know, I'll use all six years. And then that last half a semester, I'll just use that for internship and school and all that kind of stuff. But it is kind of crazy. You know, Um, I do get some funny uh, responses on Twitter and stuff like that. So that's kind of what inspired that tweet. And that tweet blew up. I wasn't expecting it to get the response that it did. And, you know, it it was definitely some mixed reviews because there's a lot of people that were like, you know, shouldn't you be focusing on your career? And then there was a lot of people that were like, you have your whole life to focus on your career. And, you know, so I have spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about that kind of thing. But ultimately, I decided, you know, I only have so much time to keep playing my sport so I might as well stick it out and see what I can do with it so yeah so I'm, I'm curious you know and it's up to you if you want to release you know say the name of your alma mater it sounds yeah oh um, yeah <laughs> um, but um, oh go ahead oh sorry uh I went to eastern go to eastern university in the greater Philadelphia area so okay right down the street from Villanova you know uh right outside of Philly so yeah, it's a little tiny school, but <laughs> what division? It's a division three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Having worked in division three, I've always find that I find out more schools belong in division three than I've ever heard of. It's yep. possible <laughs> to keep up with them. Uh, there yep. just seems to be so many. Um, so going into you know college and deciding to go there, did you know you wanted to be an athletic trainer? Um. I originally wanted to be a physical therapist. So I kind of, my background in high school, I kind of came from like one of those small town, like Friday night lights, like softball played off campus. So we only got coverage from not our school's athletic trainer. So didn't have that type of relationship with our athletic trainer to really understand like what an athletic trainer did. Um, And I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist, but we only had athletic training at Eastern. So I went that route and I took all the prerequisites for uh, physical therapy and stuff like that. And then I realized very, very quickly going into clinical that I loved athletic training and I loved that setting. And that was just more the setting for me. And, you know, it, I don't know, it was just different. And I spent all this time thinking I wanted to be a physical therapist Mm -hmm. and taking all those prerequisites. And then very quickly realized that athletic training was a definitely more on par with what I saw myself doing. So. So how did those conversations go or even get started, you know, with the program director, I'm assuming of, Hey, I want to be an athletic trainer, but I'm also wanting to play (laughs) softball, which I know just from places I've been that, that is not, it was never an option, you know, as, as an undergrad, obviously now with a lot of the transition to masters, entry-level masters, that'll open up a lot of avenues for, you know, student athletes to look at still being a, you know, athletic trainer as a profession, but you're one of the few I encountered that we're able to somehow do both. Yeah. So it actually isn't very uncommon. Um, At Eastern, a lot of people who have gone through our program have played sports and done athletic training. Oh. but our program director was very candid about the fact that 
athletic training needed to be a priority. So whenever you weren't in season, athletic training was the priority. And then say, so how I did things was I didn't have a winter break. I would do my clinical rotation over winter break so that in the spring I could focus on softball, but in the fall and the winter, I was doing my clinical rotations. So it was a little bit harder for our fall sport athletes uh, to do that. But for our spring sport athletes, we were pretty much able to do that with a little bit of ease um, because we had a non-traditional season that was a little bit easier, like to work sure. with in the fall. Um, but there was a lot of my classmates, I want to say almost all of us were athletes. And at some point or another, I think by the time we ended, uh, only three or four of us were still athletes, but a lot of people just realized that, you know, their sport wasn't a priority. And some people realized that they could compartmentalize it and prioritize it and still make it work. So that was kind of how I viewed it was that these are two things that I really care about. So I'm going to put, you know, max amount of effort that I possibly can into it. And that got very stressful at times, but you know, it was something that I really wanted to do. So I figured out a way to make it work. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that, you know, a lot of athletic training students will talk about how time management is something that they really learned um, just by being an athletic training student. I can only imagine right. the next level that took for being an athlete on top of that. Right. Yeah, it was a lot of um, showing up at the cages when I was getting done rotation or there was one point where um, my senior year, we were doing like team assignments where like you would work with a specific team and we were like coming up on preseason and it was myself and another softball player and her and I would like, we were at the same site and we would drive from our site. We'd be coming into the gym, eating dinner. Like girls would be like, Oh my God, you guys are so like chaotic. Like you guys need to calm down. And we were like, <laughs> we're just coming back from like spending like six hours at rotation. Like, you know, wrestling was crazy today. And now we have to be here for another four hours until 10 o'clock. And, you know, it was just it, lots of long days and just trying to figure out like where to squeeze things in. And, you know, when it came to homework and all that kind of stuff, just chipping away at stuff like day by day and then trying to make time for softball and, you know, finding time on your own when you couldn't make it because you were at rotation and trying to be there for your team, but also show up at rotation. It was just the ultimate balancing act, honestly. Absolutely. Did you come across any other hurdles that, really, you know, had to be a focus to do both because, you know, you just mentioned that, you know, basically when your afternoon started, your afternoon was spoken for and I was trying to perform at a high level as an athlete and also be a a student, you know, you start losing time for, you know, sleep and all the, all the things we know are important. (laughs) Um, But any other major hurdles that, you know, maybe aren't, people wouldn't see from just looking at at it from the outside. Right. So, I wouldn't say that like my biggest hurdle is like the typical experience, but I did mention that I had like a medical hardship year Mm -hmm. um, and that was my biggest hurdle like in life thus far. So in 2018, which was my junior year fall, um, I was diagnosed with QRI malformation and I was having like severe headaches. I was losing feeling in my left arm. So like as an athletic training student, I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to rip tape? Like, how am I going to do sure. like, special tests? Like if I can't feel my arm and then as an athlete, I was like, Oh crap, how am I going to play? Like, if I can't feel my arm, like this is horrible. And 
you know, I had like two active syrinxes in my spinal cord that were growing. And basically within a couple of weeks, I was having emergency surgery. And at the time I was doing a division one football rotation and I was on that 4am wake up schedule traveling every weekend. And it was just, you know, that in our program was also the hardest semester academically. So it was like this constant battle of like, I was in our fall season, I had medical hardship weighing over me. I was trying to pick up academics. I was in arguably my hardest rotation, like as far as our schedule was concerned. And that was just like the hardest, like life obstacle that I've had to face, like as far as all that was concerned, but it definitely taught me a lot. Like it it was really hard and, you know, but that just confirmed like for me, like my love of the psychology of things. And I think that's kind of how like being a student athlete, like being an athletic trainer and then like going through that life experience, like, and those obstacles just kind of confirms like what I saw my path being and just kind of solidified like my love for the psychology of things I was like well if this is something that I'm going through like all of these other people must be going through stuff like this too like maybe it's not doesn't look like what I'm going through but like you know everybody has something and you know that's just something that I fell in love with like out of like the darkness I found something that I really was passionate about and something I really loved so you know like I had these obstacles that like made it feel like it was impossible some days and you know maybe I wasn't as present at rotation as I needed to be because I wasn't playing softball and I wanted to watch my team so I was like sneaking in watching the live streams and stuff like that but you know it it made all the difference like having people around me too that were like very supportive and like my preceptors being understanding and like just understanding the obstacles and the hurdles like you know they didn't see it as like me being a bad student or like me being a bad athletic training student or like not being prior, like my priority. Oh my gosh. My priority is not being like on athletic training or anything like that. They just understood what I was going through and like their empathy and their support towards me kind of showed me like, that's the type of athletic trainer that I want to be. Like, I want to show like that type of empathy and support, like for patients that I deal with and athletes that I deal with. And, you know, that kind of shaped like the direction that I would end up going in. So you know, it was an obstacle that ended up, you know, shaping ultimately what I want to do with the rest of my life, I guess. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great story. And um, that actually inspires another question uh, without getting too far into, what, you know, necessarily what you're going to want to do in the future. Cause again, right. you're right. thinking about you. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, from your perspective, you know, mental health has become, as it rightfully so a very big focal point just across the board. And, you know, it was becoming that pre COVID and obviously COVID has now highlighted it even more for so many reasons. Um, you know, working with division three athletes specifically, which I've done for had done for the last seven years, that was a thing we were beginning to focus on. We made a great hire and someone that was very similar to you in terms of their, interest and dedication to it, uh, which is going to be great uh, for their future and the people that they serve. But what unique aspect do you think being a student athlete and truly understanding the grinds, especially at division three, you know, I, I would, I have this discussion with many people in that world of like, yes, it's supposed to be the ultimate student athlete experience. I think it is to a lot of degrees, but there's always that desire for people to want to get better and coaches to want to do the next thing. And ultimately, sometimes I think that division three model gets lost and that the mental health aspect of it can be such a big part because of the pressures real or perceived. Um, so very long winded thing to get to a question is, you know, what 
do you think your experience as a student athlete going through what you did, also seeing it from the athletic training side, not just with your own yourself or your team, but other student athletes will help you kind of moving forward and really being able to make that impact? Right. Well, I definitely think like going through the trenches myself, I guess, helped prepare me with good coping mechanisms and, you know, helps me see that stuff firsthand. So like now I know how to better, like I said, cope with things and I know how to better handle stresses. And, you know, I realized like, you know, maybe when I need to go start therapy or like go seek help and stuff like that. So like going through that stuff myself, I think gives me like an advantage, like being a student athlete is a very unique thing. So going through that as a student athlete and then working with student athletes, I think one gives me some credibility in their eyes to say like, you know, Hey, I did this too. And like, I know exactly what you're experiencing. And like, here's what I've been through. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation with like high school athletes. Like at one point I was like working in an all boys school and they were like, what could you possibly know about what I'm going through? And I was like, you know, this is what I went through. I'm going to be very transparent with you. This is what I went through. You know, like I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, Megan, go to therapy, you know, like go seek help from somebody like, you know, and just that level of connection with somebody and like having been through it myself I think I I guess like getting at what you're getting at like I think that's going through that gives me that perspective that like now that I'm in a position where like you know I'm an athletic trainer and I can help patients and help athletes like you know it gives me some type of credibility and it gives me like some type of background knowledge of like yeah I've been through this too I know what you're talking about like I've been through it. Here's what helped me like at least giving some people some direction or like some type of advice to at least give them a starting point. I'm like, here's where you can go from here and like maybe find something that helps you or like maybe find something, I don't know, to help cope with it. Cause you know, like you said, with like the D3 model getting lost sometimes, you know, like my coaches are former division one coaches. It's a very intense environment sometimes sure. and they're phenomenal coaches. And isn't, I love my team and I love our program, but you know, it doesn't matter what division you play at at college, you know, like you're a college athlete and that's how people see it. And so things just get really intense and things get really hard. And, you know, sometimes I think, especially at division three, everyone's like, Oh, it's just division three, you know, it shouldn't be that hard, but it, it can be that grind is yeah. brutal. And, you know, so I don't know. I think having been through it myself, like I said, I think it gives me some type of, I don't know, ability to relate to other people and re- ability to relate to what they're going through and just be able to help them start off on the right foot. So, I yeah, I think that <laughs> from multiple perspectives, you know, being a student athlete and then also just going through some of the things you did, like just to be able to say that, you know, you, you understand which you actually do understand a lot of what people might be going through those because you've gone through those situations. I, I wasn't a collegiate athlete. I decided to just go to school instead. I maybe could have played D3 and something, but I don't, I can't relate to that level just because I never did it. And not to say that that doesn't allow me to still do a good job, but it's just a different level that I think is awesome that you'll be able to utilize to impact in the future. Um. Any other things from being a student athlete while working towards your athletic training degree that have complemented each other that might be unique? Man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) 
did it help connect like what you were learning better? Um, I know that was always a big thing for yeah. me. I liked working out and pretended I knew what strength and conditioning <laughs> was. Really didn't have a clue in hindsight, but that right. always made it click. It seemingly more because I could draw on both of those things. Right. I I would definitely agree with that. Like it it helped me learn better. Um, but I would say one facet that this just like hit my mind was the relationships that I was able to build with like other members of like, I don't know, the sports medicine staff or like stuff like that, like, like our strength and conditioning coaches and like the coaches, like kind of that aspect of things and like watching how those relationships play out and like building those relationships. And like, especially now that I'm a grad student and I'm certified and I have these relationships with like our athletic trainers and our strength and conditioning coaches and our coaches and like all of these members of the sports medicine staff, like I, I think being a student athlete and having built those relationships as a student athlete, I think that's something that does complement like my certification really well and being an athletic trainer really well is that, you know, you always hear stories of like maybe those facets of the sports medicine team not getting along or not seeing eye to eye on stuff. Sure. And being a student athlete and kind of having to live in this world where all of those members have to get along with you in some capacity or like you have to make those relationships work in some capacity with every single facet of it. I think that really helps me kind of see eye to eye with all of those different people and like maybe learn how to better build and forge those relationships with those people or kind of see like, you know, maybe where strength and conditioning is coming from and like build that relationship with them. And like, you know, maybe where the coaches are coming from and stuff like that and just kind of speak their language a little bit better, you know, like sure. not always coming from like, like I speak athletic trainer very well, but like speaking strength and conditioning very well, or like speaking coach very well. And I think being a student athlete, like, has really helped me build that skill. Like it helps me interpret those things a little bit better. And that was definitely very helpful. Like at some of my rotation sites too, of like places where maybe those relationships weren't so great. And like having relationships built then with like their strength and conditioning coaches or like school nurses, even like stuff like that. Just, I, I think being a student athlete, that has been one of the most valuable things to come out of it. So, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, those fractured or strained relationships can right. present a lot more problems than they're going to solve um, when things get a little territorial. So yeah, being yeah. able to utilize that experience to bridge the gap and, you know, what I, I hear this a lot from people I work with, um, you know, it's all about the student athlete experience. And so anytime you can relate it back to that and you knowing and experiencing what that's like, what a powerful thing to be able to utilize. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to just learn to like speak their language a little bit and see where other people are coming from and put yourself in their shoes. And, you know, that can be a hard thing when, you know, especially when you're working and you're the one in like, I want to say like an authority position almost like as an athletic trainer, it can be kind of hard to like see the other side of things or like, you know, maybe see where like coaches or strength and conditioning or whatever like whoever is coming from but mm -hmm. you know like I said being in the position of like being a student athlete and like hearing things from all sides of those right. people all of the time it just it, you just kind of learn to like pick up on like how different people or like different groups like speak about things or like I don't know where they're coming from on things and it, it really has been very valuable because that's not something you can teach in school. You, you can't teach kids how to like understand, like, you know, where a strength and conditioning coach is coming from. Like, you know, you only teach them like 
how to treat patients and, you know, that kind of thing. That's your, like, that's the goal in athletic training school. So, you know, it's, it's kind of the subtleties that you like pick up on, like as you're working, but I think it's a benefit that I had it, you know, being a student athlete. So I got it in undergrad and now in grad school, I'm getting it before I even really start off my career. So. Sure. Yeah. Those interpersonal skills are hard to develop. They just take time and exposure and that can not always easy. Right. How do you think you being a student athlete and working with, you know, athletic trainers, um, you know, throughout your career, maybe the same one, maybe a couple of different ones, depending on turnover in your experiences there will influence how you interact and, you know, work with your patients in the future, whether they be student athletes or wherever you potentially end up. Um, and, you know, student athletes can be kind of a pain at times and you know, have their own opinions about things. And, you know, the internet is as dangerous as it is helpful uh, when it comes to stuff. But what is, what is that unique perspective done for you? Um, <laughs> well, you know, so on our team, I'm also a captain. So this is a skill that I have been learning. Um, one that I've also learned at clinical on, you know, how to deal with student athletes and how to deal with patients <laughs> and parents and yep. all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but I, I think being a captain is definitely helped a lot with this because you're trying to manage 18 different girls with 18 different opinions and then be the liaison between the coaches and whoever else and then the girls and just trying to manage those things and hold people accountable and just get the job done and get everybody on the same page so I think something like that translates over really well to athletic training because you know when you have patients and student athletes uh, who maybe aren't the most compliant or a parent that comes in and they went to so-and-so who said this and you know so-and-so's a nurse and they think they know you know whatever and they came down on the field because they think they know more than you like that type of situation like I I think just learning how to I I don't know (laughs) like learning how to diffuse those situations and pick your battles and just put the well-being of the patient or the student athlete first, even if they can be difficult. But you also have to, learning to establish boundaries is something that (laughs) I had not been good at in my like early student days and something Mm -hmm. that I'm getting a lot better at. Um, So you know, like I said, learning to pick your battles and then also learning when to establish good boundaries. So I think in my senior year, I was definitely like, I definitely come into like a comfort in this. Like I was working at an all boys high school. They could get a little rowdy. And there was times where I was like, nope, you're not going to talk like that in front of me. I don't want to hear about what you're doing after school. Like this is a professional environment. Like we can have fun, but this is going to be professional and you guys are going to respect me. And this is like one of my favorite stories about clinical, but I ended up making a jar called the S jar. And it was like shenanigans, like swear words, shirtlessness, like all this stuff. And they had to put something in S jar if they were breaking the rules and, you know, just establishing boundaries like that. And it was something that like, it sounded so silly when we did it, but they ended up loving it. And then 
they were actually abiding by like the boundaries that we set. So sure. like, just like learning how to like pick your battles, establish good boundaries. And then, you know, I don't know, just, it, it's hard to please everybody. So then just being comfortable, not being like a people pleaser and putting the patient or the student athletes well-being first is ultimately like, I don't know, that's <laughs> kind of what I've like translated over from like being a captain or being a leader at softball and trying to juggle all those different opinions and all those different people and their different needs over to like athletic training. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, I think it did. I think it was a great example of, you know, you've got your kind of general principles, yet you're going to work to meet the person or the patient or whoever it is yeah. where they are and find where that happy, you know, middle ground is where you're not so strict that this is, how it's going to have to be because right. you might lose a lot of people in that way, but also right. not just letting it be a free for all where yeah. there's no control yeah. and everything goes out the window. Right. And you're not right. getting anything accomplished. So I, I really liked how you were saying, you know, it, it, it would be fun, but it's still going to be professional. Right. And, and I think that's very feasible. Yeah. Anything we missed when it comes to being a student athlete and an athletic <laughs> trainer without delving too far into the future? Yeah. Um, I don't think we really missed anything. I think we uh, kind of hit on a lot. <laughs> so just to kind of wrap up, so just where you're currently at. So you've got this spring is the last year of softball. I will have next year as well. So next year will be my sixth year. Gotcha. So then yeah. <laughs> the first year of grad school. Yes, this is my first year. All right, so you'll be finishing up grad school and softball all at the same time. That works out well. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be be fun. (laughs) And then off to the real world, right? Yep. I'll just have a little bit more internship before I can get um, my license in professional counseling. And then it's a little little bit different than uh, how athletic training works with our certification and our licensing. So it's I'll finish school and then I'll have like a couple hundred more hours of like internship experience and then I can get it just go. So, yeah, it's a little bit different. (laughs) I'm going to steal this one that almost just set up Jeremy for it. But then with that. What job sitting are you hoping to find? Is it a potential combination, maybe at a you know bigger school where you can potentially do some you know the licensed counseling um, and also you know the clinical side of athletic training? I know that's ultimately something we were striving for with the person I referenced earlier that we hired once they finish up their their master's degree in that. But curious as to what you're seeing for that um, again without taking yeah. too much. I would love to do both. I Athletic training is like my true love, but I have always thought psychology has been a great supplement to that. So, you know, I don't think I could ever see myself like jumping full into, you know, counseling and clinical counseling, like in my own practice. But if there was a way or a setting that would allow me to kind of do both, um, you know, I would absolutely love that. But no matter what pans out, I think even if I just stuck it out with traditional athletic training and just had, you know, my license in professional counseling, like, I I think that's a great supplement. And I don't think there's anything, you know, I I don't think that would be a waste, like, essentially, is what I'm trying to get at, you know, I think I'd still be in a great position to like, 
you know, refer athletes to someone, or I would have good connections, like with internships, like that I've been at that I could refer athletes or sure. patients or whatever, and be able to pick up on things. Cause you know, part of the reason why I went this route, instead of doing something that was more like exercise science and then yep. with like a side in psychology was because a lot of times that kind of stuff just focuses on like depression and anxiety. And I was like, there's so much more to it than that. Like there's so much more beyond the surface of that. And, you know, I've, had experiences at my clinical rotations where we've had, you know, student athletes with mental health disorders that were not anxiety and depression. And I had not ever seen that before. So I just kind of wanted a broader scope of, you know, what does this look like and what can I do in order to best help my patients one day? So I would love to be able to do both and (laughs) have the best of both worlds, but you know, we'll see what happens. It's one step at a time, you know? I think you have a lot of value going into almost any interview process, you know, depending on a setup of a school, uh, you know, for, if nothing else to be that liaison to, you know, be the first point of contact to then exactly what you said. And, uh, that like we had talked about, like the way the focus of it's going rightfully. So that's going to be a huge asset for, you and wherever you end up getting to work right. uh, when yeah. you finish everything up. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, as you should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, do you want to jump into the AT chat questions then? Yeah, for sure. No, oh, I feel like I moved these around or I'm missing one somehow. Um, so I'm going to throw I, I might have the- accidentally deleted one. Oh, okay. <laughs> that yeah, maybe that was fault. the case. <laughs> um, so the first one um, is just where do you see the profession of athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Um, well, I definitely see it expanding into more non-traditional settings. Um, and even in the traditional setting, like more club teams, getting athletic trainers, that type of thing. Um, it's not as common for that where I'm from, like, you know, I, I don't really see that, but I think that's kind of the direction that we're starting to go. Um, but I would love to just see athletic training in the next five to 10 years, be a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more diverse, like, you know, being a woman in this field, it's still a little bit tough, I would say. And, you know, I think we're on the verge of having great conversations and great breakthroughs, but I'd definitely like to see some more like representation, like nationally and like at state levels and stuff like that. Like, you know, here in Pennsylvania, Pats, I think, you know, we have great women in, in leadership positions and that's awesome to see, but I would love to see in the next five, 10 years, like that be a more national representation. And, you know, just generally across the board, we have so many women in this field and I can't remember the exact like statistic, but I remember it being like over 50% of like athletic training students at the time of like when I heard the statistic were women. And I was like, can we limit like our uh, hires based on that? Like, are we going to limit like our hiring pool to, you know, less than 50% of our potential candidates, you know? And so I just, I would hope in the next five to 10 years that things get a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more, more diverse. That's just what I would like to see. And I think we're on the verge of that. So. Agreed. So you're, you are a young athletic trainer, but yes. we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll just amend this one a little bit. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, what advice did you go back and give yourself, you know, maybe before 
you just you decided to get into the program or as you got into the program if you could go back and tell yourself um i some advice that i would give myself is that my path in life and my career path isn't going to look the same as everybody else's and it's okay that it doesn't um i think something that i struggle with a lot and i might have said this earlier but even now, like I'm a very active social media user and you know, how we got connected was through my tweets. And even now, like I I still struggle with the fact like when I was deciding to come back and play softball and I I turned down like a teaching assistantship at a very well-known research university and people looked at me like I was crazy for that. And they were like, why are you not starting your career? Why, you know, all the people in my cohort were going out and getting jobs and they're going to grad school and working. And I was like, yeah, softball, you know, and that was something that I really struggled with for a long time. And something that I struggled with through school was like, if something in my path looked a little bit different than somebody else's, I was like, well, why does it look different? And so I think if I were to go back and tell myself like, it's okay that your path looks different. Like it's okay. You're going to learn valuable stuff along the way that is going to offer you unique perspective. And that's okay. You know, like some random person on Twitter that's telling you, you know, you should have given up softball. That doesn't matter. Like <laughs> the only thing sure. that matters is like your opinion of yourself and what you know that you're getting out of it, you know? So that's Absolutely. definitely something that I would go back. <laughs> no, I, that's fantastic. And I think what you're going to get out of it's probably going to be worth every bit of going the path that you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What has been the most influential resource that you have found so far in your career? (laughs) Um, Funny enough, I think thus far, um, you know, besides all the valuable learning that I've done in school, I think that social media has been one of my biggest resources. Um, it's a great strength of mine. Uh, and I think with younger generations coming up, like we've always been told by our parents, older mentors, stuff like that, you know, like watch your social medias, like be careful, like don't post so much, don't be controversial, stuff like that. But I just realized that social media was kind of one of my strengths. Like it's something that I'm very comfortable with and it's sure. something generally, generationally, but like, you know, my generation is very comfortable with that kind of stuff. But use it as a strength like you know find your strengths and roll with it and I've used it as a huge networking platform I've gotten in touch with so many athletic trainers across the country and had so many great talks and so many like great interactions with people that I would have never had if I just stuck in my little bubble here in Pennsylvania and the only people that I was constantly meeting were at the same like symposiums or the same journal clubs and stuff like that all the time so I just kind of use my social media and I turn it into like a professional platform and you know I still tweet about how bad the Eagles suck every year and like all that kind of stuff but (laughs) I I tweet my like professional opinions out into the void and just see what sticks and it's gotten me great like networking opportunities and I think if I would have stuck with the advice like don't be so controversial like don't post your opinions like that kind of stuff I don't think I would have had that experience so I, I think just kind of realizing that this is the direction our society is rolling with and just using it as a strength and running with it has been one of the greatest resources in my young career so far so no I couldn't agree more I, I talk with our the students I work with a lot about that and you know just I mean the first the laptop I had in college had a three and a half inch floppy disk drive <laughs> in it, which most people yeah. be like, what are you talking about what is that right <laughs> um, you had to have a .edu address to get on Facebook. And I just thought, yeah. it, I refused. I thought it was so dumb 
uh, which yeah. is why I'm not a tech investor. Um, but man, the access you have to information and good information. There's a lot of crap out there too. Right. <laughs> good information. You know, people that are, you can just fast forward through so much stuff now that you just, you couldn't. And so much of it's free. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm five years behind where I could be. <laughs> I just didn't have the same amount of access, nor did would I have used it in all honesty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fun trip. <laughs> it definitely has its pros and cons, but yeah, no, I think what you said is, is a huge point of use it as a strength. You know, it, right. it's all for putting professional opinion out there as long as it's well thought out and you really think about it. And it's not just slinging the, you know, random things out there. I think that can make it such a good yeah. tool. And I agree completely. That's yeah. a great way to connect with people. Yeah, absolutely. If you can change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, mindset, or whatever you choose um, in the field of athletic training, what would it be? I have been thinking about this since I saw that on the questions, and this is something that I'm very passionate about. Any one of my teammates will vouch for this. <laughs> I am very anti-ice in outside of acute injury. I hate it. I it, Coming from softball and working with baseball and softball in undergrad and being a pitcher everybody gets a bag of ice everybody gets a bag of ice on something after everything and I'm like for what reason <laughs> like I don't understand go get a band do an active recovery workout like I don't understand <laughs> go do some type of cool down movements or anything I was like I have resources for you guys like that you can use after the games after you pitch an entire bullpen session I have stuff for you why are you getting a bag of ice that's the last thing you want to do like you know, but I feel very passionately about this. I, I, I will get up on my soapbox every single day <laughs> about this. I have gotten to the point where I've convinced my coaches that I do not need not, I do not need ice. I am the exception to everyone. I do my band cool down and that is it, you know, but everybody else is still on the ice train for now. But I was like, you know, coming from a baseball softball background, everybody uses too much ice when they could be doing something way more efficient for what they're trying to accomplish. And, yeah. you know, I'll get there one day. <laughs> I'll convince them one day. But right now, I'm just slowly chipping away. If I can convince one person at a time that they should be doing a band workout after practice instead of, you know, their ice cool down or whatever, like, you know, instead of their 16 bags of ice and our poor athletic trainers are standing there, which sure. is cooler, like, you know, but I don't know. This is my biggest, like, passionate softball practice so you know yep. the girls think I'm crazy but you know the athletic training students on the team understand so you've got no argument from me I, I'm yeah. right there with you um totally totally in support so yeah you're not alone um last question is what does being an athletic trainer mean to you all right um I would say being an athletic trainer is definitely being like the first and arguably most important point of contact for someone. Um, and I don't just mean that like medically speaking, because I think that we're a great resource for, you know, a variety of reasons. Like, you know, maybe someone can't go to the doctor for whatever reason, or, you know, their insurance isn't very helpful, you know, mm -hmm. like, I, I think medically we help out a lot with stuff 
on that end. But I think mentally we offer, you know, like I said, I love psychology and I just think we offer like a very steady support system in a lot of people's lives. And like I said, watching my preceptors extend that support and empathy to me through everything that I went through. I, that's, that's all I want in being an athletic trainer. And that's, you know, I think that's why a lot of people get into athletic training is because they want to help people. And I just think like you become like a nurturer in a sense, like for someone and like a very steady and stable, like support system when maybe they don't have one or, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but oh, you know, that's just, I don't know. That's, that's why it's so important to me to kind of do what I do too, because that's just what athletic training means to me. It goes beyond like the orthopedic sense of it or like the medical sense of it. Like it's so much more than that. So. Well said. Um, anything else you would like to share before we wrap up and let people know where they can find you and follow you? I think we covered it all, but I had a great time being on today. This is, this is a lot of fun. Oh, I'm glad it worked out. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing your part two or continuation <laughs> uh, on the sports medicine broadcast. But if people did want to reach out to you, follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? All right. Uh, Twitter is probably my most active. Um, excuse my Twitter handle. It hasn't changed since high school. It is green Meg and ham. I really enjoy uh, that actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see it changing anytime soon. Um, <laughs> I love it. I think it's just what an icebreaker. Yeah. It's, you know, it shows my personality a little bit. So. <laughs> and then, um, People can also find me on Instagram and that's Meg X John 16. So those are probably my two most active, you know, being Gen Z. So perfect. Know, well, we'll, we'll get those, that. we'll get those linked up on the episode page when right. we get this published. So, well, thank you for taking the time. I'm glad we got to make this work. Um, and again, uh, shortly after this one comes out, we'll have one with you hearing you from the sports medicine broadcast. So thank you again. Yeah. Thank you.